Hey, uh, just welcome here, whether it's your first time uh, or maybe you've been here for a, a long time. We're just really glad that you're part of our community. Uh, we're glad that you're here with us today as we continue our series to be continued. Where we're looking at what happened after that first Easter 2,000 years ago. And so as a community, we've been journeying through uh, the book of Acts, which is written by one of Jesus' followers. Uh, his name is Luke. Now, Luke's first book is Luke, is all about what Jesus began. And this new book, this new text, um, the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles, is about what Jesus will continue to do through this movement, which is what we call the church. A movement that took shape and exploded in size and reach and influence in spite of opposition from government and plans of man because God had his own Plan. And so this morning, I'd just like to ask you a question. I promise this has some relevance. How many of you here this morning would consider yourselves to be a leader? Just put your hands up. If you would consider yourselves to be a leader, would you just put your hands up? Just nice and high, just so I can see. Okay. All right, thank you. You can put your hands down. One more question for you. How many of you would say that in your life right now, you have influence over at least one person. Just a show of hands. You have influence over at least one person in your life. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. You see, one of the things that I'm most passionate about is leadership. Now, just because I am doesn't mean I'm good at it. I'm, I'm learning. I'm getting there. And a great leadership influence of our time is, his name is John Maxwell, who really drives home the point that leadership is influence, and influence is leadership for good or for bad. You see, if you have influence over someone, that makes you a leader. And so I believe that we all, whether or not you put your hand up, I believe that we all have influence, and therefore, we are all leaders. So how we steward that leadership and how we steward that influence really really matters. And so today, on this special day, a day where we celebrate and remember the motherly influences in our lives, the people that have sacrificed for us and prayed for us and encouraged us and surrounded us with love and affection and care and concern, we thank you and we, we honor you. And we also use this special day as a reminder for us, the importance of motherly and fatherly influences in our lives, and in particular, in the lives of this next generation. Now, before we get into some of that, I want to just step back a little bit and take us back a bit, because it helps provide some context for where we're headed this morning. This morning. Like I said, the movement of the way of Jesus, man, it just took off. It exploded. From the core of those 12 disciples, those followers of Jesus. It spreads around Jerusalem and all over the region. This was a movement that was born out of the teachings, the love and care and concern that Jesus had for people. And it was a movement born out of the central idea that the kingdom of God was something that had finally come and will spread all over the world through his church, through a people. And this movement gave rise to everything. I know we've said this before, but it's true. It's given rise to everything 
in our world that is good today. Everything that is good in our world today, we can trace back to that movement of Jesus. And, and here we are in 2023 in the West. And man, we have, we have great lattes, right? Elon Musk is doing, is doing his thing, building his rocket ships, right? We have good food. We have good drink. Our cars have little houses. It's amazing. There's education. There's healthcare. There's safety. There's government. Some of you are like, well, I don't know about that. Freedom to protest. Freedom to disagree. Freedom to agree. There's so much that we have right now that we don't often attribute to this movement that began 2,000 years ago, that has shaped everything that we have right now. And like I mentioned a few weeks ago, it was a movement that spread all over the world through a people, through the church, a community of people who have found common ground in a world that is full of disagreement, in a world that is full of divisiveness, a community centered around the undeniable life-altering, life-giving reality that Jesus is the king, that God is our creator, and that we live in that creation. Now, here's something that's going to probably undoubtedly dampen the mood a little bit. And you might already know this because you guys are smart people. You see, all of the experts, all of the experts tell us the same thing. They say that the church in the West is dying. The church in the West is dying. And that COVID, you know, the pandemic only just sort of sped up that decline. So I have a question for you this morning, and you don't have to answer it out loud. I just kind of want you to think about it. Do you know who determines whether or not the statement is true? Do you know who determines whether or not that statement is true? Do you know who determines whether or not the church is going to be here, a vibrant, strong, diverse church here in Canada for your children and their children and our great-grandchildren? Do you know who determines whether or not we become like Europe? And if you're from Europe, that's not a diss at you. You already know what the church is like in Europe because all they've been doing for the last 50 years is managing a declining church. And do you know what pastors and experts in Europe would say to us, you know, people that have been, been so, we, we just consume, we become consumers of content that so many of us, people who just show up to church and watch an event for an hour and a half on a Sunday, they would say to you, they would say to us, don't let it happen on your watch. Don't let it happen on your watch. Don't let happen in Saskatoon and Canada what's happened all over Europe and all over other places of the world. Support what you have. Show up for what you have. Don't let it happen here because they're fighting. They're fighting so hard to revitalize the church all over the European continent. See, remember the churches, the very churches that laid the foundation for the very rights and the very dignity of every human being are the very churches that are now fighting for their very survival. See, we have forgotten. We have forgotten. We have lost sight of, or perhaps we never knew the role of the church in our culture and the role of the church in our world and the impact the church has made historically 
on the world. And so back to that question. Do you know who gets to decide whether that statement is true or not? Whether the strong, vibrant, diverse church here in Canada will be here for generations to come? Whether or not we become like Europe? We do. We decide that. We get to decide that. It's you. Now, don't kid yourself. It's not me. It's you. You see, you are the church. You are the church. You are our church, and you are your church. And so the question is, will we, again, not me, but will we be the church? Will we fulfill our divine mandate? Will we be good stewards of this extraordinary, extraordinary thing that Jesus launches. He laid down his life for, and then he smiled and he said, hey, when I'm gone, it's going on. You can participate in it or you can ignore it, but it is going on. And here's the thing, in every generation, in every generation, there have been a group of people that rise up and say, hey, we're going to keep it relevant. We're going to keep it fresh. And we're going to keep the main things the main things. So, will we fulfill our divine mandates? I say yes. I say yes, but it's not going to happen without all of you. It's not going to happen without all of you. And can I say, can I say this? Man, This next generation of young people needs you desperately to engage. They do. This next generation needs an army of men and women in the church that can be an influence for good. They really do. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to Acts chapter 16. If you have your phones and you can head to the YouVersion app, you can follow along in the message notes there. But Paul, Paul is an apostle of Jesus. He's a follower of Jesus. He's now been, he's now has life transformed by an encounter with Jesus on a road that's just changed the trajectory of his life away from God towards God. He spent part of his life hunting down Christians, torturing them, and even killing them. And now today, he's one of the most influential Christians of all time, and he wrote most of the New Testament of the Bible. And so in Acts chapter 16, it's in the opening line of this chapter that gives us a bit of a glimpse into the role and importance of spiritual parenthood in the early church. And as we look at the Bible, there's one particular man who, he seemed to be a spiritually successful person. He gained a lot of positive report from people that were around him. He was among the personal favorites of the Apostle Paul, even to the extent that Paul called him his son. And he probably was the youngest evangelist and leader in the New Testament church era. His name means dear to God or lover of God. His name is Timothy. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, 
So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, don't worry. We're not talking about circumcision today. Come to senior high on Wednesday, where we'll be talking about that instead. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. But we're introduced to Timothy here. But Luke, as he, you see, as Luke writes this stuff, Luke is very meticulous about the things that he writes and the things that he includes and the things that he does not include. And so to reference Timothy's mom and dad was a significant thing. It was. Now, we don't know anything else about Timothy's influences, and we don't see anything more significant there until Paul's letters to Timothy in the New Testament. And so in his introduction to his first and second letter to Timothy, Paul writes this. Paul writes to Timothy, and I love this part, my true son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. My true son. You see, already, already we see Paul, who's not family, Paul's not family of Timothy, identifying Timothy as his son in faith. At the same time, he establishes himself as a spiritual influence or parent to Timothy. Now, some people sort of have speculated that Timothy's father may have died when Timothy was younger. Maybe he, maybe he left, and that could be part of the reason why you know, Paul kind of comes along and takes a fatherly role in his life. But it's right here that we already see the family of God where the role of spiritual parenthood takes shape and is molded in the early church. You see, when Paul first met Timothy, he was impressed by this young man's passion and just desire for Jesus. He, he mentors him for many years, and eventually he sends him uh, to, on missions to various churches all over the region. Now, the early church was messy, surprise, just like today. And so there were issues at times that needed to be sorted out, and Paul trusted Timothy to tackle these, to go out and to tackle these on his own. I'm sorry, my mic just fell off. And there were some significant things in the early church that Timothy was instructed to confront, and there were significant significant things going on. See, Paul's letters to Timothy were an effort to both instruct Timothy with what he needed to do, but to also encourage him with the many challenges that he would undoubtedly face in his life missions. And it's in these same letters that Paul offers a personal challenge to Timothy to keep following the way of Jesus no matter the risk and no matter the sacrifice. See, Timothy would go on to pastor the church in Ephesus. See, as we look at Timothy's life, all we can really see is the byproduct. Have we ever thought of what led to this young man's spiritual success in life? You see, we know that Paul uh, later on was a great influence for him, but what made him desire to be a follower of God and, and to build godly character? What made him be who he was? You see, the answer was his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. See, Paul continues in his second letter to Timothy where he says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did 
with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. You see, isn't it so often when there are people in the spotlight, they're usually standing on the shoulders of others who may be less prominent. There's probably people in your life like that. This is true of Lois, and this is true of Eunice. Lois and Eunice were instrumental in Timothy's upbringing. You see, what we lack in, in input as far as who Lois and Eunice are, there's not, a lot of them, there's not a lot of information out there. We make up for in outputs in the life of Timothy. You see, when you consider Lois and Eunice, what is it about their faith? What is it about their faith that makes it so powerful? See, the answer to that question can be found in just that last verse. Their faith was sincere. Their faith was sincere. You see, one of the meanings of that word sincere is without hypocrisy. That's one of the meanings there. Other translations use the word genuine. It's, it's like when people model genuine faith, when people model authentic faith, other people take notice. Now, this doesn't always mean that we'll get it right. This doesn't always mean that they will follow in your footsteps. But when your faith is real, man, when your faith is real, it can inspire others, especially those that you influence to inquire. It can even spark a desire in their hearts as well. See, there are a couple of lessons we can learn from Lois and from Eunice that are critical really important to passing down our faith to the next generation in a sincere, authentic, and genuine way. They're not up on the screen. If you're taking notes, you can just take these down. But it's teach them what we believe, man. Teach them what we believe, and then live what you believe. Teach them what you believe, and then live what you believe. It is so, so important to pass on to younger people what God is doing in your life and what God continues to do in your life. Teach them about the way of Jesus. And can I say, as important as it was for Lois and for Eunice to teach Timothy, it was of equal importance that they lived what they believed in front of him. You see, when it comes to faith, you know that old adage, do what I say and not what I do? You guys know that one? That does not apply. That simply does not work. We cannot expect people to imitate a faith that they do not see lived out in our lives. You see, if kids can spot one thing for certain, they can spot someone who is not genuine. They're very smart. We don't give them enough credit. So what's the point of all this? What is the greater significance of this? Just personally, for a moment, I am only doing what I do today because of my mom, and my mom's mom, and my dad's mom, and my great-grandma. Man, there's something about the women in our family that were sort of like the glue when it came to faith. They just kept it together. 
They were our rocks. They were my own Lois and my own Eunice. No, no, don't get me wrong. It's teamwork. It's teamwork. But these women, man, they made their husbands better, and they gave their kids a shot at growing up in a complicated and messy world with faith and hope that there is more. And if you think that this is a, res- a role that's maybe just reserved for women, it's not. It's for everyone. I can name a bunch of spiritual fathers in my life. Of course, my own dad. But Craig, Greg, Josh, Derek. Man, you guys already know who you are. I've probably told you. Men that in the moment didn't really seem to do much. But they were present. And they were consistent. And they made me feel as though I was enough. And this, right here, right here, what you sadly have to see in front of you right now, is the product of 17 years of spiritual parents and influence in this church, covering me with an atmosphere of faith and love and care and encouragement. That is the only reason why I can do what I do. Now, here's why this really matters beyond myself. You see, an entire generation, an entire generation has walked away from faith because the church, not just our church, but the church, has made promises about God that God never made. You see, some of us, maybe you're here, and this is maybe one of you, some of us have grown up with a vending machine version of faith. You know, you put a prayer in, and you'll get something out. You'll get a blessing out. And others have grown up with a version of faith that tells you bad things will never happen to good people. You see, if you grew up that way, and for a generation, they did, of course, you're going to lose faith. Of course you're going to walk away from faith because that's not even real faith. That has nothing to do with the foundation of faith. God never promised that nothing bad would ever happen to you, that every illness would be healed, that you would never experience hurt, suffering, or loss. You see, God's promise is greater than any of those things. See, when I share my faith with people, when people ask me, hey, why do you do what you do, I point them to, to one line in Romans. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the fact that God knew that you would live, the fact that God knew that you would live, and the fact that God knew that you would still sin, yet he sent his son anyway to die for you, wow, that is the message That is the gospel of Jesus. That is the good news. And that is the invitation that exists to every single person in humanity. And that's the message that our next generation desperately needs to hear. But as some of you don't know, and if you don't know, just ask our kids, ask our youth and young adults teams, it is not easy. It is is complicated. It's complicated. It's messy, it costs something, and sometimes it's even hard to understand them or relate to them. Like at at youth, I'll roll up and someone will say, hey, Pastor John, low key, that fit be drippy, no cap. (laughs) That's English. That is Gen Z 
English. You know what I mean? Like, it's not always convenient. It's not always comfortable to put yourself into that space. But let me ask you something. Are you willing, are you willing to inconvenience yourself for something greater than yourself? You see, this church is the result of a much smaller group of people doing something remarkable 90 years ago. This September, this coming September, it'll be 90 years of Circle Drive in Saskatoon. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Amazing. This church has been a force for good in our community, in our city, in our province. Generation after generation after generation. It took a group of people who gave their time, who gave their money, who gave their resources and and abilities and took on the call to be spiritual parents and spiritual influences to the next generation. And it's time, it's time for us to do the same for this generation and the next generation and the next generation to continue what we know God has called us to do and to create the environments that you've been blessed by, that your kids have been blessed by, so that we want to bless another entire generation with. Here's the brilliant thing. Here's the brilliant thing about church, man. If everybody will do a little, wow, we can accomplish a lot. You see, we have an army of kids, youth, and young adult teams that weekly, on a weekly basis, inconvenience themselves for something greater than themselves. Now, maybe some of you need to consider that. They are some of the greatest people that I have the pleasure of knowing because of their heart and care and concern for our next generation. And every week, I hear the stories. I hear all of the stories every day. I hear the stories of how young people love coming here, how they have fun in our environments, how they make friends at church. And most of, this is the most important thing how they now have positive influences in their lives that surround them with an atmosphere of faith, encouragement, and prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. It's messy at times, and there is a cost. There is a cost. But let me ask you one more question. What is the faith of the next generation worth? What is the faith of the next generation worth? You see, in the Old Testament, the Bible In in Judges, you see Joshua, who was led by Moses uh, to take over and lead the Israelites. When Joshua died, it says in Judges, there arose a generation that neither knew God nor knew his works. So are we prepared to let that happen? Are we prepared to let an entire generation grow up and not know the goodness of our God, our God that we get to call Father, are we prepared to let a generation forget what Jesus did on the cross and for them? You see, if your answer is no, and I hope it's no, if your answer is no, then we need you to engage. We need you. You see, we need an even greater army of spiritual mothers and fathers to engage in this local church, you will never regret it. You will never regret engaging in your local church. And let me tell you, if we do that, if that happens, if you engage, 
We will not go the way of Joshua's people. If we as a church, this local church, if we take this seriously, we won't see a generation that doesn't know God or what he's done. No. You see, what we will see is a movement of young people that will go on from this place and build even greater churches. What we will see is a movement of young people that will see even greater outpourings of the spirit and presence of God. What we will see is a generation of young people that will reach more people with the good news and the gospel of Jesus than you or I ever could. That is what is at stake. So what is the faith of this next generation worth? What is it worth? Man, it is worth everything. It is worth everything. It is worth your time. It is worth your money. It is worth your resources, your abilities. You see, in our lobby, right after we're done in here, are a few tables with cards that over the last week, our kids, youth, and young adults have filled out with things that you can pray for. And the purpose is this. This is the point of all of this. We are not an event. This is not a show. This isn't a TED Talk. This isn't a production. Church is not something that we consume. It is a community of hope that you and I, we participate in. And part of being the body, part of being the church is surrounding the next generation with an even greater level of care, concern, prayer, and love. And out there in the lobby right now, they're setting it up. We have 150 prayer cards from youth, from kids, and from young adults. And my sincere hope, now my sincere hope, is that every last one of them gets picked up this morning. Take one home. Pray for them. You don't need to know their name. You don't even need to know their situation or their circumstance. And I'll be honest, for some of them, you might not be able to decipher their writing. But here's the brilliant thing. God already knows. God already knows the need. But the very act of you lifting that young person up in prayer could very well be the difference maker. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been called. You have been called. You are called to step up and to step into spiritual parenthood. Whether you're single, whether you're old, you're young, you're married, divorced, whatever, you are called. It is part of the way of Jesus. And I just want to say this, one quick thing before we just conclude here. If you're a young person, and this is really important in our culture today, lean into our elders, man. If you're a young person here, lean into your elders. Sit in their presence. Love them. Cherish them. Listen to them. Glean wisdom and knowledge, love and truth from them. Our elders are the greatest blessing to us, a great gift. And so on this Mother's Day, as we celebrate, honor, and some of us may gift our mother figures and our mother influences in our lives today, perhaps, just maybe, the greatest gift that we can give to this next generation is to point them towards Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your love for us. 
And God, thank you that we have the great privilege and call in our lives to sustain that knowledge of your love and your goodness from generation to generation to generation to generation. God, thank you for the own influences in our lives, the mothers, the fathers, the people that have come around us and influenced in our life and in our faith, God. We thank you for them. But God, we also think of the many young people in this church and in our world that so desperately need a godly influence in their life, an influence that points them to something greater, an influence that points them to a hope in a world that is dark and hopeless, an influence that will point them to Jesus. So God, I pray that as we go from this space, as we collect a prayer card, and as we think of the influences in our lives on this special day, God, may we also be reminded and be encouraged and be challenged to think of those in our lives that we can influence for good. God, we thank you for our next generation. We thank you for their brilliance, God. And though the challenges are great, the opportunity is greater. God, thank you for your love for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, if you like prayer or if you want to just maybe talk to someone, We'd love for you to to chat with us. Our team is just out to the right in the chapel over there. Maybe you want to take that next step in finding out what it means to follow Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you don't have a Bible. Maybe you've never had a Bible. We would love to gift you a Bible at the the information desk after the service. But hey, we're going to end this special Sunday, a special service for mothers as we celebrate motherly influences with one more song. And it's a blessing for you, and it's a blessing for your family, and it's a blessing over our next generation. So, church, would you stand, and team, would you guys take it away?